Yeah, but then we did get rid of the Royals. You remember what happened then? Yeah, but... He banned fun, Matt. He banned fun. I mean, I feel like if somebody tried to ban fun... He banned now. fun and the revels. He banned everything. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to look at a woman once on a Friday night from across a room, and that was considered the highlight of the week. Licentiousness. Yeah. Is that a word, licentiousness? Lacidiousness is. Lacidiousness. Loquaciousness is as well, but I don't think that's good. Not, there's not a lot of that rolling around. <laughs> we're, meant to, we're meant to be spitballing names when we're talking about royalty. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we'll call it o- the, Oliver Cromwell stole all the fun and we're putting it back. <laughs> Oliver Cromwell stole all the fun. Do you know what? Bookmark that. That's quite fun. I like that. Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote and this is Consistently Eccentric, a podcast where I will attempt to teach a friend of mine a lesson from British history, focusing specifically on the lesser known and less believable people and events that the history books tend to leave out. So let's get started with today's lesson concerns boats, 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 English boats, French boats, Spanish boats. I do love a good story about a boat. There's West Country tomfoolery involved, I think it's fair to say. Is the, is the West <clears throat> Country Cornwall, or is the West Country the bit before Cornwall? I'm I'm calling it Devon and um, Somerset. Right, so the bit before Cornwall. The bit before Cornwall, because the Cornish do not want so, to be affiliated right. <laughs> with anyone else. So where it's crazy, but not totally crazy. Not totally. They They haven't yet, as far as I know, yeah. come up with their own flag. The closest they've come is the Wurzels. I mean, you know, the Wurzels are a valuable cultural contribution as to why you should stay the hell out of the West Country. Well, all I know is when I moved to Malmesbury Mm. and we were within spitting distance of the West Country, Mm. within a week I had a flyer advertising a Wurzels gig. (laughs) So they literally get everywhere. It's a big deal. It is. So the West Country, I'm saying people from... Devon and okay, around okay, that area. Okay. I'm, glad, I'm glad we've spent a couple of minutes clearing that up because it's clearly the most important part well, if, of what's going on today. If anybody ever listens to this from the West Country and they want to, mm. they need to know specifically what we're saying yeah. so they can correct us. Yeah. Because that's always fun when people correct you. As, you know, assuming somebody's taught them English first. And there's also. I don't take it personally, West <clears throat> Country people. I, I have a go at everyone. Like last week it was Essex's turn. Last, last week it was Norwich. It was Norwich and Essex. Norwich and Essex. See, I, you know, I, I get around my insults. <laughs> it was Norwich, Essex, and I believe you said something about the northwest, the northeast as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Most of the country, except the bit you live in. I'll do is, them. I'll do them eventually. I'll do them. I'm, I'm here so I can do them <laughs> aggressively. Anyway, moving like on. Like Swain Forkbeard. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's my hero, my bright mm. prince. But we're also going to go as far afield as America and Ireland. Oh, yeah. The sainted shores of the Emerald Isle. <laughs> Is it really... I mean, there's only one saint. So as far as I'm concerned, we're tied. Like we, well, St. Patrick wasn't Irish. Yeah, exactly. But he's, like, sainted because of Ireland, so I'll give them that one. He drove out the snakes. I, I mean... You there do, were so many snakes. You do have Irish ancestry, so I'm not really allowed to say that's offensive, but Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> You're allowed to do a bad accent. I think everybody everybody who listens to this would understand that I don't actually have any classical training and any kind of accent I do is going to be a bit stereotypical. All I'll say is, to be sure. <laughs> you just wait. We've got an episode in a few weeks that concerns the West Indies, so oh, that's going to get tasty. <laughs> so, I've always wanted to be banned from Apple. <laughs> Richard Grenville. I mean, that's that sounds like he sounds like a posh twat. I'm going to be honest with you. He was born in Biddeford, Devon, which we are now calling the West Country for better or for worse. Fair enough. In 1542, was he a posh twat? His father, Sir Roger Grenville. Yes, Sir Roger Grenville, who at the time of Richard's birth had just been made captain of a little ship called the Mary Rose. <laughs> that doesn't bode well. <laughs> Well, I don't see why not, because prior to being refitted Mm. in 1536, the Mary Rose was the sleekest, fastest, best ship in the British fleet. Mm. It did not have the best name, though. Mm -hmm. There was a sister ship called the Peter Pomegranate. Oh, my God. I know. (laughs) 
came up with that one? Henry VIII. Um, it, well, so, of course, no one's going to tell him yeah. it's a stupid name. So there was the Mary and the Peter. Fair enough. So it was refitted. You'd have gone for Mary <clears throat> and Joseph, really, wouldn't you? Mm. But anyway. because I'm assuming that Henry VIII had a bit of a say in how it was refitted, mm. it gained 200 tons in weight. 200 tons in weight and that was pretty much just on an extra tier of broadside guns <laughs> it was now a beast so Henry VIII was the Donald Trump of Henry VIII liked a big gun mm. Henry VIII wanted people to think he had a big gun well he definitely put it about enough mm. the ship that doesn't mean it's big it just, it just means you're rich and powerful <laughs> He might be doing Henry a disservice. He was supposed to be a handsome man before, you know. Yeah, before he started eating everything. Yeah. You get to a certain age, women lose their luster. I mean, as a 32-year-old man, I'm pretty much there. Now I now I like a good steak. <laughs> <coughs> I'm sure somebody's going to contact us to tell us exactly how offensive that statement is. So just, just to head that one off, we don't care what you think. Personal preference is personal preference. I'm not saying that all men of 32. Yeah. So, the ship, crucially, since the refit, had not been tested in battle. It just sat there with all of its guns being it, polished daily. Had it gone anywhere? Uh, it had sort of gone... Are we talking about the Peter Pomegranate here? No, no, this is Mary. Right, right, right. Mary sorry, had sorry, not sorry, been sorry. tested since it had been refitted. So it gained an extra 200 tonnes of guns, <laughs> and they just sat in harbour... Incidentally, 200 tons of guns like sounds like an epic, epic name for somebody's biography, like an, an ex-Special Forces guy. 200 tons of guns. Come on. If, if, you, if you put out a book called 200 tons of guns and tell me it's about all your Special Forces um, you know, exploits, I'm not going to read it, but I will look at it and think, damn, that's cool. Yeah. 200 tons of guns have been added to this ship, but no one has sailed it into battle. So... You know, it's a, it's an unknown quantity. Sometimes it's good to have an unknown quantity, <clears throat> especially when the French are attacking. Mm. And on the 19th of July, 1545, the French were attacking. Straight across the channel. Straight across the channel. But that's great. Direct, I like it. The Mary Rose coming straight out of port, still faster than the rest of the ships. It's the first one there. It's going to show what it can do. Where was it, where was it ported? Is ported a word? Where was it, where was it staying? believe this was in Portsmouth Harbour. <laughs> nice I, little bijou b and In terms of brevity, I deleted where this was. Fair enough. So somewhere, I'm going to assume the south coast, otherwise the French have gone a very circuitous route. <laughs> and also our navy's in totally the wrong place. Yeah. After a successful initial broadside volley, mm -hmm. the ship attempted a sharp turn so it could get the other side's worth of guns. I feel like I... Wait, I do know what happened here. The Mary Rose story is... Fairly well known, right? Well, the, the turn is when things started to go wrong. So, a gust of wind caught the sails, and it heeled over a bit further than planned. <laughs> and the gunners hadn't quite managed to get the gun port shut. Oh, so dear. water began to enter, let's say, <laughs> at speed. I believe the word is <clears throat> cascade. Casca there was a cascade of water. <laughs> oh, you'd expect the crew to, to be able to deal with this, mm. so... The crew have been described by one of the other British captains as, and I quote, the sort of knaves whom not could be ruled. So basically, like, are you telling me that the Mary Rose was a ship of badasses who won't, damn it, they won't be told, but they know what they're doing? I'm telling you that the Mary Rose has been dry docked for the last 20 years, and the people that they put on it, they probably never expected to actually have to put out to sea. Oh, damn it. I was kind of hoping that it was basically, like, 200 Martin Riggs from mm. Die Hard. No, no, wait. Martin Riggs isn't from Die Hard. Riggs! What was that from? Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. There That's you the go. one. Yeah, so... I, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, got, we've gone from crew of badasses to crew of idiots. Crew of, crew of idiots. It's the people who you wouldn't put on the ships that they actually use. Day to day. I feel like that's a cock-up, because somebody's put them on the fastest, well, most powerful ship in the fleet. Well, it's, why is it... They can still save it. Yeah, but... Maybe. They immediately decided there was nothing they could do. Mm. And <laughs> they all, en masse, abandoned their posts to try and make it up onto the open deck. Because you, you don't want to be under. 
Yeah, fair point. You know, it would be in the below decks on a sinking ship. One thing I'm pretty certain of is that most sailors of that time could not swim. Mm. Was, was I don't know why. It seems like a really stupid thing to do, but none of them Superstition. Learned. You don't want to learn to swim. That's like asking to be drowned. You you want to, you don't want to go in the water. Honest to God. Going I, in the water is losing. It's like a game of the floor is lava. I feel like basically everything before 1950 can be written off as the stupid ages. I'm surprised that you're putting the line in the 1950s. Yeah. We get- have some stories. <laughs> so... Crucially, before they left their posts, they didn't bother to secure the guns, which started to roll free. This caused the ship to list more, which shut the cargo free, Mm. which caused the ship to list more. The only thing that didn't shake loose was Mm. the anti-boarding netting that was put across the top of the deck. Mm. This meant that anyone trying to get up onto the main deck from the middle part of the ship was caught in the anti-rigging netting and couldn't actually get up. (laughs) So essentially trapped. Classic British engineering. Yep. Well, everyone was expecting people to go orderly up to the fore or aft, but this was a... Everyone panicked. This was a panicking situation. Did I mention that the, um, the stove and the entire cooking stuff had collapsed? So there was fire everywhere. Uh, well, blocking the way to the aft. So they really didn't have any choice but to try and get up through the through the centre of the ship. I, I feel like the only people who could have built this ship were British Leyland. <laughs> well, they were British. That's a reference for you. Yeah. Within minutes of firing the first barrage, and as it turned out, the only barrage, <laughs> the Mary Rose had sunk Is it, oh, it, it, with the deaths of over 90% of those on board. I'm surprised it wasn't I'm surprised it wasn't a hundred percent given that no one could swim. What happened? How did they escape? The ones who didn't? I have no idea. I, I don't even know if lifeboats were a thing. Mm, probably a, not. Pro- given the attitude towards swimming, it was probably why would you have a lifeboat man? That's like asking to sink. They, considering they were so close to port, I can only assume that even sunk the masts were still sticking out of the water <laughs> and there were about a half dozen people clinging to them. I mean, just waiting to be picked up just, just as a, a battle raged around them. That's a fair point. With the ships that hadn't sunk immediately. Just to wind things back a bit, it's pretty ballsy of the French. Well, like you know, if they're attacking so close to Portsmouth, mm. surely there were land cannons or something. Oh, I, I assume so, but you know, that's just ballsiness. Is not something you the associate Fr- with the French. I was gonna, the French are well known for for attacking. It's only in the last hundred years that they got the the reputation. Mm. Yeah, mm, before that they. They fought as much as any country did. Probably more. Mm. Well, people don't like the French. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. So Richard was three years old at this time, and his dad, unfortunately, he was one of the 90%. He went down with his ship. Well, I mean, you know, isn't that what captains are supposed to I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that <clears> traditionally <throat> they're supposed to do that, aren't they? So, so what do you reckon? Young Richard going to go off the rails? I mean... Do you think he's going to be okay? It's the, the death of his father at such a young age. He's three years old. Yeah. His dad was a knight, so presumably they've got at least a bit of cash. They live in a they live in a part of the country that's still operating on the turnip economy rather than the money economy. So, oh no, no, you, you know, yeah. they've they've got groats. I assume. I think that's the time for groats. I thought a groat was a vegetable. No, groats. Groats are kind of money. Oh, okay. A turnip is a vegetable, yes. What a stupid name for a, for a, for a coin. Well, we don't have them now. Yeah, we we eventually learned. Yeah, good. Just just pounds and pence like it was supposed to be from the start. And shillings and florins and <laughs> yeah, yeah. all of those things. Because, you know, why would you go on the uh, base 10 standard? That's, that's ridiculous. It's not like we've got something we could easily count on. No, ba- base 12 is superior because it stops the plebs from being able to understand money. Well, well that's, that's what you want. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, a three-year-old. Yeah, he's probably going to go off the rails, my prediction. At 17, he began studying law oh, at okay. Temple Bar, one of the four law houses in London. Fair enough. 17, he's going to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. He gave it up two years later. Mm-hmm. To become, what, a circus master? Kind of. He became an MP. <laughs> that's, that's more like being a clown than a circus He's a 19-year-old MP. Uh, I mean, yeah, but we are talking about a time when being an MP was basically, are you mates with enough powerful people? It wasn't even an election, was there, back then? Uh, I think he probably lived in a rotten borough. 
where did, I used did, to live was right next to Jacob Rees-Mogg, so <laughs> there were more you're, sheep you're than f- people. You're familiar with the concept. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So long as Nanny votes for him, he's okay. <laughs> so things are going well. Yeah. He's, he's half a lawyer. He's a 19-year-old MP. MP. Yeah. He's getting, you know, he's doing, he's doing fine. Then November 1562, he was walking through the Strand, as mm. fancy young men would do, with a few of his friends. And they came across another group of gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And they were blocking the highway. Those <clears throat> goddamned ruffians. Yeah. So they decided they'd start with a bit of banter. A bit of insulting each other's hose. <laughs> did they have their hose with them? or were no, they... they were wearing their hose. <laughs> I see what you did there, sir. Yeah. And I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, they were having a go at each other's swords. Which they were dangling freely. <laughs> whatever whatever they did. So basically they were just being chaps. Yeah, so at some point it must have gone wrong because Richard decided it was appropriate to draw his sword and run through a man called Robert Bannister. You can just cut a bitch. So, yeah, in the centre of London, a 20-year-old MP... Cuts a bitch. ...stabbed a guy to death in broad daylight <clears throat> with numerous witnesses because this was the Strand. So just like modern day, he'd get off with it, I presume. Well, it's... Richard, he was outlawed for public duelling and manslaughter. Manslaughter. Not murder. Not murder, manslaughter. Because it was an honour duel, presumably. Well, there's nowhere could I read that Robert Bannister ever drew a sword. So if it was a duel, it was a surprise duel. (laughs) Surprise duel. (laughs) I challenge you to a surprise duel and thrust. That is a brilliant way to not get done for a capital crime. (laughs) Well, he, he was done. He he was outlawed. Yeah, but clearly manslaughter is not a capital crime. <laughs> because oh, yeah. a capital crime would be murdered, being well, killed for it, isn't it? Uh, well, you know, he's outlawed. That's that's going to hurt your opportunities. Well, mm. doesn't... Yeah, but like outlaw nowadays means that you get arrested, doesn't mm. it? Like, But back then, didn't it just mean that the law withdrew its protection from you? As in, anyone could do what they wanted to you. You were no longer bound by the law kind of thing. Oh, I like the idea. Well, you've committed a murder. We sentence you to no longer having to follow the rules. Yeah, but it's not so much no. Yeah, but like you get that. That that's kind of a bonus. But on the flip side, nobody's going to do business with you because why would they trust you? You're not bound mm. by the law. Also, they can try and cheat you as much as they want because it's not a crime to do any crime to you because you're outside the law. I, someone could walk up and stab you in the face. You're right. And it, it's not a crime. I, I concede it could be negative. <laughs> Luckily, he was pardoned three months later, just in time to resume his seat in Parliament. So, so ultimately, I was correct, and yeah. our justice system <laughs> is exactly the same, and he got off with it completely. He did. Well, no, three months slap on the wrist for manslaughter. He, he learnt his lesson. I, I feel like if Boris Johnson stabbed a dude in the throat in the Strand today, he would get a three-month slap in the wrist and then just come back to his job. We'll see. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> we'll we'll see. It's probably going to happen. So you know, but it's taught him a good lesson. He's never going to fly off the handle again. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. he's learnt. He's going to straight and narrow. Has he sworn this anywhere, or is this just? I'm just assuming. Yeah, okay, enough. so at 21, mm-hmm. he inherited all the Grenville estates from his grandfather. Mm-hmm. So he's now rich. Could do whatever he wanted with mm-hmm. his life. Mm-hmm. So it's all good. You know, he's still an MP. Yeah. He's, you know, half a lawyer, because he he's, did half of his school in there, so he's half a he's lawyer. He's already <clears throat> got away he's with rich. stabbing someone in the in the throat. Possibly due to his lawyering skills, we don't know. Hmm. So he spent th- three months as an outlaw, I wonder what he did. Maybe, you know, maybe he just roamed around doing crazy shit. I'm, I'm assuming shit. he went back to the family home and just sat around for three months, <laughs> just like, uh, being protected by all that wealth hmm. and privilege. So, at 23, he married Mary St. Ledger. Okay. Young girl. Mm-hmm. Famous name. St. Bit of heritage to St. it. St. Ledger. Yeah. I've never heard the name before. They were, they were also landed gentry. Oh, of course. Old were. money. Old money. <laughs> but they've fallen on hard times. Hard times. Sorry, that's a Paramore song. I, just, I, just, I only know three. So. Three songs? Three Paramore songs. All right. I know three songs. One of them's by Paramore. One of them's a Beatles song. And the other one Who is... the hell are the Rolling Stones? <laughs> <laughs> Keep hearing these people. Are they new? All I do is play bridge. <laughs> <laughs> 
So immediately following his marriage, and I'm talking literally the same year, mm -hmm. Richard decided that what he wanted to do with his life was to leave the country and go and fight some Turks. <laughs> some <laughs> young Mary St. Ledger probably wasn't all that alluring of a spouse then. <laughs> well, he would literally rather go to the eastern edges of Europe and fight some Turks than mm. stay with his brand new wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was only one problem with his plan. Mm-hmm. England was not currently at war with Turkey. <laughs> what? We we weren't at war with them. This, like, you know, you know when I earlier made the assumption that the crew of the Mary Rose was just full of Martin Riggses from uh, Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this guy might be the, the medieval equivalent well, was, of Martin Riggs. He wasn't going to let that detail get in the way. We're not at war. I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> he wasn't going to let the fact that England weren't at war with Turkey <laughs> stop him. So he, uh, he he wanted to abandon his wife. God damn it. He will abandon her. So he petitioned Queen Elizabeth herself to allow him to go and fight on behalf of the Holy Roman Emperor, Maximilian, who, oh, right. who actually okay. was at war with Turkey at the right. time. Okay, okay. So he, he went to his own monarch and said, can I switch sides? To another power. To another power, hmm. just so I can go and fight some Turks and be as far away as possible so from my new wife. So what you're telling me is he was a massive woman hater and a massive racist as well. Well, we don't know that yet. Maybe he's just, you know, he, he jumped in. And he's regretting it, and he's trying to find a way I out. I mean, I feel like there's probably a lot of people in Europe that he could have fight, could have fight, could have fought. Like what, before you know, he went for Turkey. Yeah, yeah. He, like, he, like, he's 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 gone after the brown people, is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, well, the queen gave her consent, and he set about with some of his cousins financing. <laughs> he took and, all of his cousins with him, financing and recruiting a troop of West Country men. Oh my god! They left for Hungary in 1566 to fight alongside Eastern Europeans against the forces of Sultan Suleiman oh the Magnificent. God. Can you imagine? Like, you, you, you're, you're, you're a Slavic trooper who's basically, from what I know of the region, been fighting Turks forever. Like Your, your dad did it, your granddad did it, your uncle did it. Every, everyone you know fought the Turks. And the Turks are equally battle-hardened troops, just <clears> in a slightly different tradition. And then fucking Wurzel Gummidge and his mates turn up. I'm, I'm guessing like Amazing. between 50 and 60... Blokes go, all right there. Side around here is piss. <laughs> it's nice and hot, isn't it? <laughs> I haven't had to put straw down my jumper for anything. <laughs> okay, I'll stop now. So you but, you're, you, you know, you're warned, Devon, the West Country. Like, stop with the bullshit and get a real accent. So you can imagine how unnerving it must have been for a gout-ridden 72-year-old military veteran from the Middle East to be facing 60 <laughs> slightly angry and confused West countrymen. <laughs> Wait, is that Suleiman the Magnificent? Suleiman the Magnificent was 72 at he this was, point. And he was personally running his own campaign? Yeah, it was his 13th major military campaign. He liked to give it the personal touch. Top dude. Yeah, he died, so they had to come home. What? The war was, war was over. <laughs> it's like chess. You, you beat the king, that's it. Everyone goes home. Why is... <laughs> So he returned the next year. This guy better do something interesting soon because so far, I mean, okay, you know, the murder that he got away with, fairly interesting, but quite, I feel like quite a lot of lords and lords' sons have probably got okay, away with okay, murder. Okay. He returned and he managed to screw his eyes up real tight and do Mary because he fathered a son. Well, I mean, <laughs> he's probably gone for a while. How do we know that that's his son? But he, st he still couldn't. He couldn't settle down to manage the family estate, so <clears throat> instead he sailed across to Ireland. I see, in my alternative narrative, he turned up, she already had kids, and he was like, good enough for me, I'm off. <laughs> well, no, he sailed across to Ireland to take the role of High Sheriff of County Cork. And he Who's given him these fucking jobs? He actually took Mary with him. Oh. And his newborn son. Well, congratulations. So when he arrived, he began immediately seizing land for English colonisation. Because, mm. you know... Irish land, it's free real estate. <laughs> no one's living there. His yeah. wife's relative, Sir Warham St. Ledger, nice name. Warham St. Ledger. Warham St. Ledger was with him. He was also going out there to do a bit of land grabbing. Nice. Yeah. And he also brought a friend, Sir Peter Carew, who decided he'd press a claim that was linked to Henry II 
nearly 500 years before the pre- press claim <clears throat> for in, land in Ireland to right, settle okay. some land so he was he was relying on a claim that was made I mean, based on the assurances of a king you know, let's, let's, half a millennium ago fair enough but let's be real here it's not like they needed an excuse they were just going to so, take the land anyway so three English toffs went to Ireland to seize as much land as they could I feel like this is a this is a pattern that's going to be repeated for, for several hundred years. Well, this was under the auspices of I am, you know, the sheriff of County Cork. He was yeah. going full sheriff of Nottingham, basically. I'm going to take whatever I can get. Was Elizabeth like the Queen of Ireland technically at that point, or did she claim the title the Queen of Ireland? Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of Ireland was under English control, but understandably, really the Irish people living in the area were not too pleased, as you can imagine. <laughs> Well, they they probably didn't even have potatoes yet to you know. Make oh, they feel have. Better. They um, uh, this is the time of Sir Walter Riley, so they probably are just a few years shy of being introduced to the potato. Yeah, so you know things are going to look up for them. Also, Sir Walter Riley does make an appearance in this. So, oh my God, yeah, he's got some my, star power. He'd be my hero if he wasn't such a colossal dickhead. <laughs> well, so all the Irish people decided, fuck this. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt the accent I think you should Fuck you, you English pricks Alright, I'll do it once <laughs> And the horse once. you rode in on I'll do it once And I'll do um, what I believe to be Some variant of Northern Irish Because <laughs> I'm aware there's more than one accent It's, you know, I'm, I'm not one of those people I love, I love the fact that you're doing a precursor Because you know how bad this is going to be so, You know, you've pushed, <clears throat> you've pushed me into this so. I have not, you, you don't have to right. You said you said you think that I should do it. Yes, that's not forcing you to. If you don't want to do it, my ar- hands are literally tied here. <laughs> if you if you don't want to do it, there's been a gentle vocalization pushing to. me towards it. I'm, I was trying to get into the character of these you know, Irish rebels. You know how weak-willed I am. So here, here it comes. Everybody, everybody, get ready for this. Record this because it's it's never happening again. Orange juice. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that really adds to the story. I feel like I'm there. so the irish decided that they would unite and fight against these english toffs and they united under a man named james fitzmaurice fitzgerald hang on two fitzes yeah he's a double bastard he is literally (laughs) a double hard bastard maybe that's the origin of the phrase double hard bastard it could be james fitzmaurice fitzgerald what a legacy the English had a garrison at a place called Tracton, mm-hmm. which was an area of the country Richard had recently claimed as English. <laughs> the Irish overcame the defenders using only pickaxes and massacred almost the entire garrison with pickaxes. Well, that, that, that sounds brutal. <laughs> Three soldiers did survive the attack. Mm-hmm. They were promptly hung by the Irish the next day. So I, I feel like the Irish made their feelings on this very clear very early on and maybe if we'd respected that a whole lot of later bullshit could have been avoided Mm. well this marked the start of the first Desmond Rebellion so I I guess that kind of gives you an indication I'm sorry I can't respect a rebellion called Desmond like if somebody said my name is Desmond Rebellion my first thought is going to be and where do you play what position in cricket do you play for the West Indies Desmond you don't have to be holding the microphone like that and secondly Sorry. we're not getting on to the West Indies for another couple of weeks we've, we've got to try and not Sorry. cause any kind of offence to the rebellion family <laughs> they're very powerful <laughs> they control almost all of Barbados and to be honest we don't know where our market is yet it may be that we are the number one podcast in the Bahamas how are you so plugged into West Indian crime families <laughs> What do you do when I'm not here? Uh, when I was in Bristol, I got addicted to cane sugar, man. <laughs> Only cane sugar will do. Yeah. That, that beet stuff is filth. <laughs> so, Cork was quickly taken by the Irish, and Richard Grenville himself would have been in a lot of trouble. Hmm. Had he been there? I, so, what? He'd already <laughs> set sail back to England. Did, like... Is the implication there that he'd, he'd seen what was about to happen? He'd seen the way the wind was blowing and he thought... No. Well, technically, I did claim all of that land. Whether, <laughs> Job done. whether the people I left there could hold it is outside of my gift. It's nothing to do yes. with me whether yes. I, they could keep that land. Because, of course, traditionally, sheriffs have nothing to do with the enforcement of laws. <clears throat> he had, however, 
neglected to take his wife with him. Oh my God, really? Did did he take his son with him? <sighs> no. <laughs> his, this guy just sucks. His wife became trapped in a siege at Waterford where Fitzmaurice demanded she be handed over as a hostage. Okay. Luckily for her, the people of Waterford, they refused. The siege was later broken by English forces that did not contain her husband. Mm, mm-hmm. He was busy. He decided Ireland was not for him. It clearly. He tried his best. <laughs> They'd rejected yeah. him pretty harshly. He finally appeared ready to settle down. So he was elected MP for Cornwall in 1571, Smith. while the first Desmond Rebellion was still going on. <laughs> Why would you... Oh, rotten boroughs, right. Yeah. So, so he'd essentially caused a rebellion in Ireland, and before that rebellion had even finished, he was home, he was an MP, he was sorted again. I mean... You don't want to cast aspersions, but I feel like I'm getting a strong Tory vibe from this guy. <laughs> well, we'll see what you think later. I think I think you might be totally justified in that opinion. <laughs> At some point, his wife managed to make it back unscathed. Go, Mary. No, good for her. Yeah. I hope she finds love and settles down with somebody who's not a complete prick. <laughs> and of course, by 1654, Richard was practically begging the Queen to be allowed to take a ship to go out and plunder some Spanish galleons. <laughs> And to try and settle some colonies in South America. He wanted to go. What was wrong with this dude? Yeah. The Queen had to reject the plan because England was trying to use diplomacy to stop a war with Spain at the time. Mm -hmm. And the idea of this mad West countryman... Who continually failed and caused wars wherever he went. Apart from in Turkey, where the, the one time he wanted to fight a war, he couldn't. Yeah. So he wants to go out and start stealing Spanish treasure... Mm. at a time when we're trying to desperately avoid a war with the Spanish. Because at the time they were, correct me if I'm wrong, were vaguely close to some history I learned in high school. Um, The Spanish were the most powerful in Europe at the time. They had all of the gold. Yeah, because they'd already got South America. Yep. So they had all the gold and we had to try and play nice. Except for Richard Grenville, who was like, let me get some of that tasty coin. (laughs) Oh, fuck them I I want that money. (laughs) (sighs) Now... The thing is, he he drew he'd drawn up detailed plans. <laughs> he wasn't going to let a little thing like it the was royal a, saying. It that. was a full business proposal <laughs> that he'd given to the queen. Yeah. Three years later, mm. she gave those plans to Sir Francis Drake. No, and he used really? the plans to become famous and renowned. Oh. He received a knighthood, the Golden Hind, and became vice admiral of the navy. Ah, oh, like, I almost feel bad for him if he hadn't been such a cock end to his wife, and and you know also no. the murder. Richard felt bad for Richard, Hmm. and he considered Drake an enemy, and he refused to serve with him in any capacity from that point on. Did anyone care about that? (laughs) We'll we'll see. (laughs) He will have his revenge! Oh, oh no. (laughs) The whole military organisation sat around going, oh, no, the mad lunatic who fails all the time doesn't want to serve with us. Whatever will we do? So he he sulked for nearly a decade, during which time he tried to... Uh, colonise Ireland again Un- unsuccessfully <laughs> did he start another rebellion no this this time he, he just he didn't just failed. Do a, he just didn't do a good job any records on what his wife was up to during this decade well no his, his wife was doing fine his wife was now back in the Grenville Estates and whenever he I assume whenever he said do you want to come with me on holiday mm. she said fuck no <laughs> I'm staying right here did he have any other children did his son survive we, we, we sort of lost track of the baby the son survived oh. the son he has a son. His his line goes on. Oh, don't, cool. You don't need to worry about that. They, uh, you know, it's not it's not so much that I'm particularly worried about the privilege aspect of it. I just feel like you know, the son got a rough end of the stick, having a total d- dickhead for a dad. So, he's sulking. Mm-hmm. Then his cousin, right, a guy you may have heard of, Go Sir on. Walter Riley, uh, his cousin, uh, Potato Man, yeah, decided that he needed some help with a little plan to colonise the New World. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he asked Richard to be the admiral of a fleet of seven ships to establish a colony. Mm-hmm. Richard, who, to this point, has not captained a ship. Of course. Whose only experience of captaining a ship is knowing that his father died <laughs> captaining a ship <laughs> when he was three. That's all he knows about I mean, ships, is you can die on them. That's probably like... Very easily. I feel like the, the, the attitude of the time would have been like, that's a stain on my honour that needs to be removed. 
But weirdly, Richard couldn't wait. He, he would be away for a year from his wife. His whole dream was to escape yeah. for some reason. So he'd, he'd be away for at least... A, if everything went well, it would be a year. Mm. So that's good. And he, he wants to be a privateer captain, soldier of fortune. Yeah, he's always wanted to fight people Just like and his dad, yeah, yeah, because yeah. that worked out so well. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, when you've got a role model like that for, for you... What is it with the landed gentry in this country and fucking stupid ideas? Although the plan was to just go over to America, establish a colony, Richard couldn't help but capture the very first two Spanish ships he saw. Oh, my God. Adding them to his fleet. Well, why not? They carried on a bit. Mm-hmm. They were actually getting into the um, the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Oh, they uh, made it all the way across the yeah, Atlantic. Yeah, they made it across the Atlantic. They then spied some salt mounds. Well, they were resupplying Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. But they were Spanish salt mounds. Why did they want salt? Well, salt is a commodity. They <laughs> went to the idiots. trouble of building temporary fortifications so that they could take every last grain of that Spanish salt and put it in their hold for well, the glory of England. Just, you know, because everybody knows that the most famous pirates are the ones who ferried a mountain of salt around. Yeah. The issue was this greatly increased the draft of the ship that he was captaining, the Tiger. Oh, my God, no. I feel so, like they were looping back around. Or something. No, so the Tiger, as well as being the, um, you know, the flagship of this fleet, also was carrying all the supplies for the settlers. <laughs> and it ran aground. <laughs> oh, my God. On a sandbar. <laughs> and it couldn't get off because it was too heavy because it was full of fucking salt. Oh, no, no. He holed it and ruined most of the food. <laughs> oh, my God. They managed to limp across to America. But the colonists that they were leaving on a place called Roanoke Island were supposed to have three years' worth of provisions. They were being left there with one. Mm. <clears throat> so they're going to have to get some farms and shit well, going pretty damn quick. A second fleet was going to be coming. It was supposed to have already set off from England to bring further supplies. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's good. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's more, you know, the three years thing was uh, just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. It's, it's okay. all good. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, by the time they set off, uh, they'd been redirected to Newfoundland to alert fishing fleets that the Spanish had begun seizing English commercial vehicles. This was in retaliation for attacks by English privateers. So exactly <laughs> what Grenville had done. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so he, the, ca- he caused uh, just the supply the supply train first of all by stealing Spanish salt he'd inadvertently got rid of most of the supplies hmm. then by taking the Spanish ships the supply boats that were coming had to be diverted so they would never make it to the colony you just sound like a prick mm. I keep saying it but and I will say his only stated aim was to settle a colony not to. At no point was he attacked by Spanish ships. At no point was there any reason for him to attack Spanish ships. He just really wanted <clears throat> to attack some Spanish ships. I feel like. I that... assume it's because Sir Francis Drake became famous for taking Spanish treasure ships and he still had a massive, <laughs> massive grudge so against Sir Francis Drake. So basically, Richard Granville had the world's tiniest mind penis and in, yeah. his, in, his, in his mind. The only way to make his mind penis larger was to... Out-Drake Drake. Out-Drake Drake. He had to out-Drake Drake. <laughs> so, he dropped the settlers on the island in August of 1685. Due to all the uh, totally unforeseen and on, you know, I mean, just random acts of God that mm. meant that they had no absolutely food. no supplies, <laughs> they would have to be more reliant on the locals than they had first planned. So, there were some... Native Americans there mm-hmm. that they were just going to have to hope would help them. <laughs> hey, would, dudes, we're here to take all your land. Uh, we'll Incidentally, do you have any food? <laughs> we'll teach them how to live on the land. Uh, the local tribe were called the Sakotans. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get this wrong, but the nearest settlement was a village called Aquasacock. Aquasgagok. Asquiscogok. Okay. We're going to go with that. Asquiscogok. And Grenville. Asquiscogok. Asquith does suck cock. Uh, and Grenville. <laughs> I'm sorry if that's really he, offensive. He wanted to make yes. If the if the descendants of Sir Philip Asquith are listening. Or the Native Americans whose yeah. language I have just butchered. Uh, Grenville decided he'd he'd help. He's good at diplomacy. 
we've learned this. He's he's great at diplomacy. So he didn't, to be fair to him, he didn't just piss off. You no, know, he, he he said he himself would go to this village mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to try and grease the wheels mm-hmm. to make sure that the the English settlers got everything <laughs> they needed. It's going to be nice. I'm assuming he could speak some variant of the local language. He's he's British. He will make them understand. <laughs> He will speak louder and slower I feel like until it, they get it. I feel it's a common theme in that the people who are the subjects of these podcasts are just the sort of people who turn up in Spain and go, all right, mate, you got fucking beer and a fucking in full English. Fucking no, you... put only fools and horses on the TV, mate. You're forgetting he's got a West Country accent. Oh, sorry. All right. Let me, let me repeat it. All right there, my lover. Right, mate. You got fucking only fools and horses and some cider. Full English. That was, that was very offensive. Good. It's not just me. Get a so, real accent, West Country people. While he was there in the village, making peace, sorting things out, doing all the diplomacy stuff, he misplaced his silver drinking cup. Okay. Dear God. He, he asked for it back. You, know, you do. Hmm. He realised when he got back to the ship, he went back, he's like, guys, can I have my cup back? <laughs> I need my sippy cup. Yeah, the Sakotan said, we've, we've not seen it, mate. Sorry. I mean, I, I saw you with it. It's a lovely cup, but we, we don't have it. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe you dropped it on the trail. Right, 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 Ma- right. What you need to do is you need to fan the guys out with sticks. Just go through the brush. You'll f- I'm sure. I mean, it's silver. If you go at dawn, <laughs> sun's hitting it low, you'll get a shine off it. Grenville thought mm. that they must be lying. Mm-hmm. So Bloody savages. Yeah. So just before he left, he ordered that the entire town be burnt down and all the crops be destroyed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wait, 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 sorry. Say the first part again. So he decided that they, no, 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 they no, must no. be lying. The exact words. Just before he left. <laughs> sorry, yes. Just before he left, he ordered that the entire <laughs> town was burnt down and all the crops destroyed. Oh, my God. To teach them a lesson for stealing his sippy cup. This, this... this, is, this is the group of natives who... The town would the, then be completely reliant on. To yeah, survive. the settlers are completely reliant upon these guys. So he's like, "Well, I've sorted that out. Bye." Oh my god, I love him. <laughs> With love- all of the settlers, presumably giving him the stinkiest of stink eye <laughs> as he sails off back for England. Did did people at this time- in a ship full of salt? <laughs> <laughs> Did people at this time know that winter in that part of the world comes with like eight foot of snow? I'm assuming they didn't. <laughs> I kind of feel like they deserve it. I'm sorry, these villagers, they might not have asked for it, but like they let him be in charge. Just like, you know. They let him be in charge. They were t- probably told by Sir Walter Raleigh, this guy knows what he's doing. He's a perfect bloke yeah, but, uh, to uh, lead this. Yeah, but at the point at which he's ordering you... <laughs> What, to to bur- burn down the village of the people that you you know you're reliant on. Maybe hit him in the head with a brick. No, I'm I'm pretty sure that the people who did the burning and the pillaging and everything were, were the people the who were getting back on the ship. <laughs> they knew full well they were not going to have to deal with the consequences of this particular set of actions. It, it feels like the idea of loyalty to England is more sort of there's a whole bunch of lunatics who go and do whatever the fuck they want and afterwards they go, it was for England. Well, on the way home, he captured another Spanish ship. And this one was filled with treasure. Oh, so, I mean, okay. (laughs) And ensured the expedition was profitable, regardless of what happened to the colony. So Richard was chalking it up as a big-ass win. (laughs) In his mind, he'd gone out to pillage some ships, and he'd done that. And he'd successfully pillaged both salt and ships, and then returned Everybody else thought they were going to try and settle the colony. (laughs) (laughs) He was the only one who knew the real plan, and the real plan was for Richard to be able to go back with a big Spanish galleon. And say, fuck you, Francis Craig. Yes, as, as a, a euphemism for his own cock, oh he God. sailed in with this big Spanish war chest. So, I mean, you know, at least after everything, he managed to grow his mind penis, yeah. which is what the real, you know, that's the real victory here. But to be fair to him, he got home, he realised, was told that the supply ships had been redirected. Mm-hmm. He loaded back up... <laughs> Possibly only seeing his wife from a distance. <laughs> Stood at the gates of the dock, waving with his, I'm assuming, toddler son. <laughs> Just, are you back? <laughs> Fucking load the ship. We're going back. We're going to go back to Roanoke Island and we are going to help those guys that I royally fucked over. 
that would not necessarily need help mm. if it wasn't for me. Right. Well, uh, is it on record that he was actively trying to fix his mistake, or was it purely because he knew that the supplies had been redirected? Reading between the lines, I think his cousin, Sir Walter Riley, <laughs> God, you his, did read, what? Read. <laughs> read his ship's log. What the hell, Richard? <laughs> I'm feeling sorry. We've got, I've got all the treasure. <laughs> no one said anything about treasure, Richard. No one. Why? Why did you get all of this treasure? <laughs> I'm picturing Raleigh as like a sort of like successful older businessman with his feet up on his desk, and then he like spits out his brandy. <laughs> Richard walks in and goes, "I brought all the Spanish treasure. Whoa! What do you want me to do Just with like it?" Just like we agreed. <laughs> No. no. God, no. No, why? I mean, it's a good bonus, but how's the colony? Oh, right, about, about, about that. <laughs> well, they were still alive when I left. I I could see them in the flames of the village. What? God damn it. Silhouetted they were. Damn they were it. waving at me. Damn Don't... it, Walter. They took my sippy cup. <laughs> you know how much I love that cup. <laughs> Yes, yes. I, I really, I, I should have sent you with the spare. It's my fault. My fault. <laughs> so he set back well, off. I mean, presumably somebody agreed with him because they gave him another fucking ship. <laughs> to be fair, this time he went straight for the colony. Mm -hmm. There was no fucking about Flying with Spanish around, ships. Yeah, no, yeah. no, didn't you do know, that. I can see why you're saying reading between the lines because my first thought was he's he's going to go off and fuck with some Spanish ships. I, I think we can just safely assume he did not come across any Spanish ship, yeah. Spanish ships the second time. Either that or some, maybe 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 his cousin Walt like paid someone to just stand behind him with a big he stick. He had a minder. Hit him in the head every time he said something about Spanish ships. Oh, I'm getting that urge again. I could just I could just go off and look for some Spanish. Whoosh. No. <laughs> it's my encouragement whip. So he went straight there. He got there within a year of leaving. He was back. Is that good going? I, I, I to, get across the, to get across that... that I'm going to say Atlantic twice. To yeah. get across the Atlantic yeah, but twice. It's, it's like eight weeks. So like... With, isn't it? Yeah, but on the way back, he was he was busy plundering. He took his sweet time on the oh, return yeah. journey. Oh, yeah, and I suppose when you're back as well, when you've got a ship full of treasure, you're not going to... You've got to divest of that treasure. <laughs> yeah. Turn it into those sweet, sweet groats. And... <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't wait and finance another attempt to uh, mm. colonise Ireland. I finally have the money <laughs> to properly do this. Two failures isn't enough for me. Third time's the charm. <laughs> as those delightful locals that I want to displace yeah. say. And that was the start of the 50s. 15th Desmond Rebellion. <laughs> uh, he got there, August 1686, mm -hmm. to find the colony had been abandoned. Oh. Two weeks before Richard Grenville arrived, <laughs> some British ships turned up, mm -hmm. saw what was going on, offered the colonists a chance to come back to England. Mm. Those ships belonged to Sir Francis Drake. <laughs> Oh my god. Before they left, the colonists wrote a note. Did it say fuck Richard Granville? Explaining that Sir Francis Drake had saved them from almost certain death. Oh my god. Granville did not take the news well. <laughs> what a prick. Oh my god. I love like I love how much I hate this guy. <laughs> so he was now angry that he had not been allowed to be the saviour of the colony he had put in peril. Francis Drake keeps stealing all of my thunder. <laughs> Francis Drake, Francis Drake saving those people that I put in mortal danger. God damn him. <laughs> oh He's like God. a fireman who sets fires just so he can put them out. <laughs> then gets annoyed when somebody else does it. On the return journey, he took his anger out by raiding towns across the Azor Islands. He Where were they? The down in ca the Caribbean. Fair enough. He was well on his way to going full pirate. Some Spanish captains dined with him. I thought he, like, hated Spain. Oh, yeah. But for some reason, mm. he pulled into port. There were some Spanish captains. He decided to have a drink with them. Fair enough. They described his behaviour, mm. and I quote, he would carouse three or four glasses of wine and in bravery take the glasses between his teeth and crash them into pieces and swallow them down so often that the blood ran out of his mouth without any harm at all unto him. 
So he was just munching glass. So he was he was raiding and getting shit faced across the Azor Islands to the point where he was eating glass. Wow, he he must have like really not wanted to go home. <laughs> Any plans to try and resettle the colony were halted by news that the Spanish Armada, which was readying an all out attack, was headed for England. How did they get the news before this like it's a long way. <laughs> oh no, he he'd come back to England after after he'd been caru- oh, right, okay. after he'd been carousing with several <laughs> glasses of wine, eating the glasses. <laughs> he he got back this sugar glass. No, Richard, it's not the fake glass. <laughs> Richard, amazingly, was asked to be a part of the royal council charged with planning the defences against the Spanish fleet. So, based upon. His expertise. Right, this is this is just like last week's podcast. If you are sufficiently rich in England, no matter how much you fuck up, mm. you cannot fuck your own life up. And and I think that the fact that that is still true today just shows how lazy and shiftless the general population of England is. Because honest to God, people, we could have killed them all hundreds of years ago. All of our ancestors could have risen up and just stabbed them all. And it would have been brilliant. Why have we not done it? We could still do it. These are the thoughts of Matt Hare himself and do not represent the thoughts or opinions of everybody else involved in this podcast. Anyway, moving on. So, only one problem. Mm -hmm. In overall control... Queen Elizabeth decided she was going to put a dashing young buccaneer. Sorry, sorry. The, the, the shape of this story is, is very clear to me, and I'm very excited to hear you say it. A man who'd proven himself in the singeing of the King of Spain's beard. A man who had recently saved some doomed colonists from the coast of America. Sir Francis Drake was put in command under Admiral Howard. Amazing. Who's Admiral Howard? He's the Admiral. No, oh, fair enough. You've got to have an Admiral, I suppose. Mm. Somebody's got to wear the big hat. Oh, the biggest. <laughs> Drake won the battle, securing tons of Spanish gold in the process and making himself into a well-known historical figure. <laughs> Sir Richard Grenville had been tasked with organising and refitting the land defences. <laughs> of an entirely... <laughs> <laughs> Most notably... Bostcastle Harbour, which you may not know from the story of the Spanish Armada, because it was nowhere near the battle. Amazing. He had no part to play. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Good. Mainly due to the fact that everybody knew that he refused to work under Sir Francis Drake, and so was not given the commission of a ship. (laughs) This this is an excellent story of how your own hubris will inevitably screw you over. I mean, well, yeah. he got it worse than anybody else, but no, fuck him, he deserved it. So so he's, you, you think he's he's probably taken that well? I mean, how much more failure could one man withstand? Does he still think he's great? Well, he was made vice-admiral under Howard in 1691 when Sir Francis Drake decided to take himself out of the position he wanted to go back to being a privateer so Richard Grenville jumped into his sticky seconds he was oh my god he didn't mind being Howard's second vice admiral I I cannot I'm literally I have bated breath I have to know how he cocked this one up (laughs) well he he was sent back to the Azores who must have loved that Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) they're they're loving it now he's he's in charge legit He's not just got his own little ramshackle fleet of colonists. He's got the British Navy. Um, he was part of a fleet of 22 ships. They were sent to the Azores with the specific instructions to try hmm. and break up the Spanish transitions Hegemony, of yeah, gold yeah. from South America to Europe. So he was the... And this time, oh, wait, so he was literally told that his job was, was to... He was finally getting to do what he'd always wanted yeah. to do, which was fuck with Spain yeah, and, he was, he was told, gold. your job is literally to take Spanish galleons and take the gold. Amazing. That is all we want you to do. So he's been given his dream job. He's on the other side of the world from his wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sir Francis Drake is doing something different, so mm-hmm. they're not in direct competition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's been given the command of 22 ships. He's been given a boat called the Revenge. 
which is the fastest, <laughs> sweetest boat that the English have. So he's got the best boat. Oh my god! He's got the equipment. He's got the the task that he's built for. You I, know, I, I feel like he's going like, to accidentally great. set his own face on fire or something. <laughs> but the King of Spain had had enough of English raiders stealing his gold, and he dispatched a fleet of fifty-three ships Ooh. to capture the English. Which, as you know, 53 is greater than 22. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me just confirm that. <laughs> yeah. That and unlike joke. the Armada, he managed to send these in a bit more secrecy. <laughs> so the English weren't prepared. And the Spanish were only sighted when the English were anchored at the island of Flores, dealing with an outbreak of fever. Oh, no. So a load of the sailors were ill. They were taking on supplies. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> I'm <And> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, the, the historical parallels are incredible. How could... It's like, if I believed in voodoo or something like that, I would believe that Francis Drake had, like, stuck some sort of curse object on this Granville guy because, like, literally everything that Granville failed at... Yeah. You're, you're saying it's weird at. that Drake said, I don't want to be vice-admiral anymore, yeah. and the very first mission that the next vice-admiral gets sent on turns into... Spanish Armada 2, yeah. Armada Harder. Yeah, turns, turns into a two-on-one kind of beat-down. No, no, it's, it's fine, it's fine. Admiral Howard, who was commanding one of the other ships, he'd gone himself, immediately ordered all ships to retreat, as mm. they were in no shape to fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the odds away, were boys. over two-to-one. Mm, so mm. Admiral Howard, he's a sensible guy. He's not stupid. We run away. We live to fight another day. Mm. We're only trying to disrupt them. We're not trying to destroy them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's do this. Richard, place. Mm. the vice admiral, mm. refused. Of course he did. Saying he would not abandon nearly 90 sailors on the shore. 90 ill. Right. Men of England. I mean, how many, I mean, people, how many would... people did he abandon in the Roanoke Colony? <laughs> More. <laughs> he's, he's, he I was, think it, it was about was 500. This was not a consistent man. <laughs> So he said, I'm going to get all of these sailors on board mm. before I run. I will run. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, Admiral. I will run. I just need to get these boys on because what will the Spanish do to them if we leave them there? I mean, probably just make them serve on their ships, wasn't that like... Well, well <laughs> slightly harder work. God damn, they might, they might make them do extra chores. No. So as you can imagine, these 90 British sailors are like, oh, thank you. Thank you for coming back and dragging us from our fever beds. Cheers, Grenville. Into, and into, us on our, the boat. into our disgusting hammocks. Thanks for getting us on the boat and you're going to get us away, aren't you, Grenville? Thank you. You are finally a hero. <laughs> he marched into battle, didn't he? I mean, sailed into battle, whatever. Richard Grenville then decided that rather than sail off to the west, he would sail the revenge directly at the Spanish ships. Oh, my God. So all those ill sailors are <laughs> no, no, <laughs> feeling, feeling great. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> The crew of the Revenge fought alone for 12 hours against the 53 Spanish ships. I mean, they, hold up, 12 hours? They fought for right. 12 hours against 53 How, ships. Right. How shit are those 53 ships? <laughs> well, they managed to cause serious damage to 15 Spanish galleons and repelled three attempts at boarding. All right, so, I mean, okay, so, <clears throat> yes, on the one hand, terrible dickhead who failed at everything he did. Hmm? On the other hand, that's quite badass. Like, going at one ship against 53 and yep. he manages to not die for 12 hours. Yeah, but he at no point had to. This wasn't a, there are no ways out. There were plenty of ways out. <laughs> he point. could have just run when the rest of the <laughs> the rest of the fleet that are not currently engaged in a naval battle with the Spanish. He could have gone the other way. Yeah, okay, I get that. But like... Guessing that the Spanish will probably follow, follow the bulk of the fleet and not this one straggler. I don't want to, like, defend him as such. He but... could have... Surrendered. Fair, okay, but, but <laughs> what, what I'm saying is, like, I'm not saying it's easy to be badass when your back's against the wall, but to willingly choose <laughs> to go and have a, a, a completely pointless last stand. I hope this is his last stand, because, my God, I can't see how much more fuck-ups he could do. Well, you know, finally... After the 12 hours, yeah. they'd used up all the supplies of gunpowder. <laughs> the mainmast was completely removed from the ship. So they were going nowhere. They were, they were on a floating deck, essentially, now. And 150 of the crew were either killed or unable to fight. Richard himself had been seriously injured. And he demanded that his crew use the last supplies of gunpowder he had been hoarding to blow up the ship 
rather than let it fall into Spanish hands. <laughs> like, I'm desperate to know if they actually followed through on that order because that sounds like something you go going to fuck off. Understandably, they ignored this order from the <laughs> yes. mental and half-dead captain. Get in. And instead they surrendered on the promise of fair treatment by the Spanish, who presumably <laughs> thought they were dealing with crazy people. <laughs> did they... Did they... I kind of hope the Spanish did treat them fairly. I imagine that at this point, the bosun is waving a white flag <laughs> and the Spanish captain's going, oh, thank God. <laughs> I didn't really have it in me to just massacre people today. You, you know we won eight hours ago. <laughs> you're really slow on the uptake. Uh, it's, it's, it's Barcelona versus Barnet. Do you want to come over? <laughs> We have sangria for you. We've we've just been passing the cannonballs around for six hours, waiting for you to surrender. Richard Grenville was trans, trans Richard Grenville was transferred to the Spanish flagship, mm. leaving a main deck that was described by the Spanish, and I quote: "Marvelous unsavory, filled with blood and bodies of dead and wounded men, like a slaughterhouse." Well, so he'd, he'd really done right by his crew. <laughs> It's the worst. <laughs> the most surprising thing, honestly, is at this point anyone agreed to follow him anywhere in anything. He died of his wounds two days later. Good. His last words were him screaming that his crew was traitors and cowards. So to the end, the kind of noble leader... He was completely wrong <laughs> yeah. about anything. If they just kept fighting, they would have taken out the other, let's see, 40, 47 ships? Well, I mean, they, they didn't manage to destroy any ships. <laughs> they just damaged yeah. some. But if they'd have, if they kept fighting, they'd have magically created gunpowder. I mean, don't forget, he's air. seen what a group of Irish people can do with some pickaxes. He knows <laughs> that even when the odds are stacked against you, you keep fighting. What a prick! Yeah. His long-suffering wife Mary outlived him by thirty-two years. Good for her. And his son wisely never left England, preferring to live the quiet life of a noble gentleman. The only thing he shared with his father was that they both served as MP for Cornwall. I mean, I you know, I'm not a huge fan of the fact that his son just got instant privilege the same way that Richard got instant privilege. But, I mean, I don't think we're probably, we're probably not going to go into it, but fingers crossed he didn't do anything outrageously stupid with it like his no, dad no, did. No, no, no. He was, he was neutral. Unre he was unremarkable, <laughs> yes, that's a good word. He was, he was not worth a podcast. Yeah, well, good for him. And and I, you know what? I really hope that his his long suffering wife had like just like shitloads of affairs and just like the they she just deserved that man. Like, she, she deserved many anonymous dicks. Yeah, like, That's what like, she deserved. Well, 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 you know, I'm, I'm using that. What I'm really trying she to say is she got thirty two years of living. Yeah, what I'm really trying to say is she deserved she deserved some kind of like happiness completely outside of like you know maybe maybe she maybe she just wasn't into maybe she wasn't into men maybe she liked books whatever the hell she was into <laughs> i hope she got lots of it she got down with a thick <laughs> family drama novel in four parts each over a thousand <laughs> pages long maybe, oh. she, maybe she just liked to read shakespeare's first folio over and over and over who knows but like all i'm saying is definitely not about a young having, boy having put up with all of that bullshit from that complete psychopath i really hope that she had a nice life after he died or and or and slash or while he was away <laughs> well that was pretty much their entire marriage yeah because yeah but like having to put up with him for even five minutes sounds completely unbearable <laughs> Today, Richard Grenville has been immortalised in a poem by Alfred Lord Tennyson titled The Revenge. It paints him as a true British hero. Yeah, but Alfred Lord Tennyson was one of those kind of pricks who just like, genuinely thought the sun shone out of Queen Victoria's arsehole. So. Well, he's remembered as a hero. No, he's not. He is? Not by me. I'd never heard of him before, and now all <laughs> I'll ever think of him is as a colossal he's, he's, prick. He's, he's a British hero. Well. He, he caused knowingly caused the death of... 160 sailors well you see this is where it falls down because if I'd had a proper classical education I'd have known about this and I would have been filled with all sorts of stuff like oh, wow really did he do that but as it is all I'll ever remember him as is a total asshole. after he died the Spanish decided that they would take the battered remnants of the revenge uh -huh. as a trophy mm -hmm. and they put on board a mixed crew 
18 days later, she sank with all hands during a tropical storm, along with 15 of the Spanish ships. I assume they were the 15 that Grenville oh God. had um, no. caused damage to. No, he got a posthumous victory. No. <laughs> he got a posthumous victory. They Rubbish. did not get their hands on his ship. Life and is pointless. as he would have wanted, none of the English sailors eventually survived. <laughs> Everything is pointless and grim. <laughs> What a waste of everything. Oh, my God, I learned nothing. All, all I learned was that Grenville was a dick. And, Grenville and, was a dick. He and, took one of the best ships of the English fleet for no reason into battle, I'm just killed gutted. himself, 200 English sailors, I'm, and lost the ship. I'm genuinely good, and he won. He got to do exactly what he wanted to do his whole life. He, he like... He wanted to stab someone. He stabbed someone. He wanted to go be a privateer. He went to be. He, he was a privateer. He, like, <laughs> he was supposed to be a colonizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but he was a privateer. Yeah, Goddammit. What, what he wanted to be was a privateer. So he went and did that. <laughs> and he got away with it. And then when he came back to England, they gave him some more fucking ships and sent him off. And he went off and he tried to be a colonizer. <laughs> and like, and like, he didn't actively fail at that so much as like things got in the way and some other stuff happened. Like. Oh, that's so infuriating. You've told me I'm so wound up. I want to go back in time and slap him until he falls over. As much as as much as I enjoy this whole thing, I I having heard the story, I wish I'd never heard it because I'm just actively I'm just actively upset. And that's where we want to get to. We have a few laughs, we enjoy it, and then ultimately you're left with a, an unsatisfied feeling that somebody got what they shouldn't have got, which is posthumously a noble death. 